Hey, this is Kate. I'm a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician, and I collect stories. Everything from true crime to trauma to parenthood. There's a lot more in common between depression and sociopathy, or between serial killers and podcasters, than you might think. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at iwbpodcast.com and iwbpodcast on social media. Hello, greetings, and good day. My name is Keith Gala, and I'm the host of That Was Great, wasn't it? Each week, I'll be joined by my friends, both old and new, to reminisce on our youth via the nostalgic power of Saturday morning cartoons. Some will be classics, some will be classic with air quotes, but all will have us pondering the same philosophical conundrum. That was great, wasn't it? Season 1 will be breaking down Pro Stars. Pro Stars is part of NBC's 1991 Saturday morning lineup, and feature the all-time greats of Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, and Wayne Gretzky doing their best to stop bad guys, inspire the youth, and protect the environment. Keep up the speed with the show by following us on Twitter and Instagram at How Great Was That? And subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. I'm Austin Rude. I'm the son. And I'm Phil Rude. I'm the dad. Every week we watch a movie, we get on the mic, and we talk about it. That is accurate. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Um, NaNoWriMo, dangerously close to hitting my word count right now. Right. Uh, just over halfway through the month, so feeling pretty good about it. That's impressive. I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with it so far. I don't know if I'm going to do anything with this ultimately, but it's a good story to get out of my head. Um, and it's like a skill builder. It's like... a, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, uh, but as far as uh, watching stuff, I watched a movie that I want to talk about this week. And it's called Warrior with Tom Hardy and, um, shit, I knew I was going to forget the other guy's name. Uh, and I know this guy because I see him in a bunch of stuff. He's in that movie The Gift with, uh, Jason Bateman, um, Joel Edgerton, that's his name, and Nick Nolte. And it's a, it's a UFC movie. It's a, it's about... These two brothers who are UFC fighters. Is this a recent movie? No, it's like over 10 years old. It's like from 2011. Okay. And it's one of these movies that everybody has always been like, this movie is way better than you think it is. This movie is really great. And I've always been kind of like, I'll see it eventually. I don't watch a lot of sports movies because they're pretty formulaic. You know what I mean? And it just is one of those things where it's just kind of like, Okay, I, I, I get what this movie's going to be about, but sometimes they're really well executed. And this one is really, really good. It's a really well executed, well acted movie. And it's about, it's one of those movies that's a sports movie. And I think usually the thing that elevates that is that it's not really about sports. It's about this dysfunctional family. Like, like Moneyball. Like Moneyball, like um, Million Dollar Baby, 
like a lot of these things are the sport is the vehicle for the story or for the character. Um, but it's really about something much bigger than that. And Warrior is honestly a surprisingly really good movie. Uh, it's, it's very emotional by the, by the end beats of it. And uh, I'm not even a UFC guy. I, I don't, um, it's not my world. I don't really know a lot about it, but it really kind of draws you into uh, the, the three core characters going on in there. That so, sounds cool. Uh, it's really good. It, it landed on Netflix recently, and um, and the other day I watched it along with our movie for today. Two movies that could not be more different. <laughs> um, and uh, it was it was really uh, a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, and it was one of those that it's like, oh, this came out eleven years ago. Do you ever see a movie that came out a long time ago and you go? you kind of kick yourself for why did I wait so long to watch this? Right. It's, you know? it's, I, I waited this it's, long it's to one discover of those. it. Um, I think even you who you're not a sports guy in the real world and you don't really watch a lot of sports movies either. In the fake world, I'm really but big. In I, sports. I, I no. think, I think you would, I think you would get something out. I don't think you would be like, Oh, sports, this is dumb. It really, it really brings you into the story. I'm, I'm like you where I find sports movies like, they're all the same. A lot of them are this very... This underdog yes. team uh, or person or whatnot is losing everything and they're having some personal troubles, but then, you know, they have a montage and, and they get that's, their shit that's together. That's kind of part of this this movie, but it's it's done just in such a, yeah. a really good way. And I want to talk about, just real quick, I watched another sports movie. Excuse me. I watched another sports movie last night, and it's a documentary about a minor league baseball team in the 70s uh, that was owned by Kurt Russell's dad. Uh, and it's called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. And it's a Netflix documentary. It's on Netflix. It's been on there for years, and I finally sat down with it. And it is about this real under... It's a real-life story of a real-life underdog minor league team. And just sort of the last sort of breath of independent baseball in this country. I'm I'm not interested. Like that doesn't sound interesting to me, but also like the name. It's, I'm like, it's very, it's like, very entertaining. Kurt Russell played on the team when he was like probably early twenties. Um, uh, Cause he was like, in addition to being like a child actor, he was like a, a baseball phenom as, as a kid too. He, he had, uh, he had to choose a career path at some point. That's pretty cool. Um, but it had a lot of like uh, guys who were older, who had sort of uh, maybe missed missed their window for the major leagues or had played in the major leagues and then, you know, kind of come back down. But this was sort of their second chance team. And it's, it's a really, really interesting movie. And I think it plays a lot like if you like Moneyball. And this idea of building a team of underdogs from a different perspective and actually being in contention. Um, but it is a little more sports centric. I, I think you do kind of have to understand baseball a little bit more than it. Moneyball is more of a broad concept movie, whereas this is sort of like they're actually talking about actual baseball. Right, they're and, using and, technical terms. And, and the philosophy of baseball and what baseball stands for in the United States and baseball versus as a as a sport and a pastime versus baseball the business you know like 
baseball the industry. I, I think that's an interesting it, concept. It, 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 it gets into all of these. It's a really, really good movie. So those are my two sports movies uh, that I, 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 sorry for jamming an extra one in there. I want to hear what you're talking about because I haven't seen this show yet and I, I just want to get your take on it. No, that's, uh, those are, those both sound like cool movies. They were, I, I really like both of them a lot. Uh, I, Almost on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. This week has gay been... people play sports, and Dean, I remind you of the Pittsburgh Pirates, a, a legendary baseball team. I'm I'm just saying, <laughs> gay pirates are kind of far out of left field. Left field is a baseball term hey, for those job. of you good who job. don't know. Yeah, way to go! Thank Oz. you. Uh, golf very term. Uh, very, very very impressed with your badminton terminology. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I have been watching, this week has been all about gay pirates. Uh, So there's an HBO show uh, called Our Flag Means Death. It's kind of a weird title, uh, but it works, especially with the story they're telling. Uh, It is, I don't know who created it, but it's co-produced by Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi is a force behind it, I know. He is, but he's not the creator of it, and I... I feel like that's important because, like, I don't want, like, just because Taika Waititi is the kind of celebrity sure. in this, like, I don't want the creator well, he has to be... Well, he has a production company, correct? I, I think so. So it's probably through his production company. So he's still... Right. Right. Is uh, he on the show as well? He is. He okay. plays Blackbeard. Okay, uh, right. Yes. So this is the story of the gentleman pirate, mm-hmm. uh, Steed Bonnet. Real, a real, a real real life person person who, uh, uh, he essentially suffers a midlife crisis and leaves his family, his comfortable life. Uh, I know the story of the real guy, which is why I'm very interested in seeing the comedy take on this. Well, I've, I've looked into it and it's not 100% historically accurate, of course, but, uh, Uh, in real life, Steve Bonnet, uh, his daughter died, and so that kind of there's a theory that he that kind that of suffered it. from mental illness. And but in the show, he's just this man who's obsessed with pirates, and uh, no one in his life understands him. So he leaves everything, buys a boat. Uh, and he's wealthy. He's a he's an aristocrat. Yes, correct? he's yeah. he's a so super like wealthy. He's Englishman. able to just like fund his own midlife crisis of being a pirate that's it he doesn't need to loot to right to get any (laughs) money he's just in it for the adventure uh and so the show follows him and his awful awful takes at piracy uh with a crew of deadbeats right who uh he pays hourly instead of <laughs> instead of Byron sharing actually uh, pillaging yes uh and of course he runs into blackbeard who is a very successful pirate right. um and blackbeard is bored of the pirate life uh he's like oh i'm so good at this i've done everything uh i'm just bored of it all and here's someone doing something interesting and so uh he kind of takes him under his wing and they become like co-captains of a sort uh and yeah i i don't know what else to say about it other than it's it's very funny uh and it's 
very gay, as everyone will attest to. Uh, there's multiple queer relationships. There's uh, there's a non-binary actor who plays a character who's non-binary because it's a a woman dressed as a man to be on a pirate ship uh, because okay. that happened back then. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's kind of like a modern take on it, if you will. Uh, the show is just very fun. It's a fun trip. I finished it in less than two days. And yeah, so that's been my... It's been my week, pretty much. Okay. Well, that's... Uh, it's, it's safe to say it's a new obsession of mine, and I cannot wait for... It's on my more. list. I have not uh, seen it yet. Um, but I will point you at the... Uh, it'll be on the podcast feed, but the radio show, This American Life. Uh, they talk about this story. Uh, years ago, talked about the story of this aristocrat who went to become the gentleman pirate. And was just uh, unbelievably bad at piracy, and and um, and sort of like his his story. Um, that was that was a segment on their show, and it's it's hilarious on its own, and also like very interesting. He's he's like famous for being bad. He's famous for being bad, but then at the end of the day, he was there's a weird like twist on his life that they sort of frame it. Like he was eventually like hanged for piracy. Yes. In, and that way he was successful at being a pirate in that the state recognized him as a credible pirate threat and hanged him. It's this weird, like uh left-handed success, you know, of like, yes, I'm successful because I died because I did it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's, like, It's yes. like that's not the goal, there, but it is. It's such a twisted story that I'm I'm so glad that it, it, it is a story that is perfect for uh, being captured in a movie or a TV series. And to do it as kind of a straight up comedy with someone as good as Taika Waititi. I know it's not quote-unquote, his show, but they, he is behind it, and he is involved in it, and it just kind of speaks to the level that it that it's at. So, I, I'm glad they're, they're doing that show. I, I think it's incredible, uh, the the tone that they put on, and I also want to, Taika Waititi is amazing as Blackbeard. Uh, this adds the real-life historical villains that he's played to two. He's played Hitler, he's played and Hitler. he's yep, played that's right. Blackbeard. Uh, but Steve Bonnet is played by uh, Rhines Darby. I believe that's how his name's pronounced. Reese Darby. Reese Darby. I, I guess R H Y S. Yeah, it's yeah. spelled very weird. Uh, but an American name. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, he is incredible as Steve Bonnet. Good. Uh, so overall, it's it's just a really great cast and. The just the tone of it is impossible to capture in words. It's it's really hilarious. Uh all right. Well, I will bump it up my list. Uh I've got a few things to get through, but I will get to it before season two comes out. I'm I'm sure. I may wait till season two is about to come out and then just shotgun through the whole you know what I mean? That way it leads right then I don't have any lag time. It it all flows very well, so it's that would probably work well to just 
but because by the time you're done you're like all right uh what now yeah maybe okay. that's just if you've watched it really fast it it could be it could be um all right well cool that that our has flag been... means death i our... will i will uh bump it up the list for sure well that has been my week uh but also this week we watched the movie for this week which happens to be uh 2007's juno uh juno tells the story of a messy teen pregnancy uh and this movie balances an awkward romance a touching adoption story marriage problems and the drama of what it's like to be a pregnant teenager in a small town high school uh and i think it does all of that amazingly uh this movie is written by diablo cody directed by jason reitman and stars a whole slew of famous people. So we've got, uh, just to run down real quick, we have Elliot Page as Juno. We have Michael Sarah as Bleeker. We have Jason Bateman as Mark. Jennifer Garner as Vanessa. J.K. Simmons as Juno's dad. And Allison Janney as Juno's stepmom. And we even have a bizarre cameo from Ryan Wilson. Rain, Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. <laughs> uh, I made a joke last week that this is Rain Wilson's best movie. And I think after seeing seeing his one scene, I think it's correct. I think he's great in this one scene. You, you think nothing he will do can uh, No, that? it's not that nothing he will do. But like, I mean, if you look at other movies he's been in, like The Meg and things like that, it's like... Uh, yeah fine but like you mean I think the he's, cinematic masterpiece he's, le- he's legitimately funny in his one scene in juno i i think so I, I i really think like rain wilson is very talented and i think he is very funny but i don't think outside of like dwight Schrute and this he's ever i've ever seen him be given something as funny as he's capable of doing. And, and he also fits into this kind of this show this telling. Weirdo, yeah. Weird kind of, thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of this cast, like J.K. Simmons, just out of nowhere. Like, they all do amazing jobs. Uh, but I I feel like, I don't know. I don't think of him as a comedy actor, per se. Um... I don't know. I think J.K. Simmons can... I wouldn't peg him as, like, a comedic actor, like, purely. I wouldn't see... I don't know that I've ever seen him, like, on a sitcom, but, like, he was in those Spider-Man movies, and he was meant to be comic relief there. Um, He's one of those guys who can do comedy by being very serious. Right, like, that's kind of the joke. And I I wouldn't call his role in this very comedic either no i guess not kind of the straight man yeah yeah uh but before we get into the movie i i wanted to have a quick side note uh because you mentioned this last episode when i said we'd be doing juno and uh so this movie stars elliot page pre-transition uh like we we all know this uh and I I feel like for famous people, it's kind of an awkward thing of like, everyone knows this celebrity before they uh, transition. Um, So like, we know their dead name. Like, it's very easy to misgender. Uh, Like when I think of like, Caitlyn Jenner, or uh, the Wachowski sisters, like, 
it's easy to slip up because you don't personally know these people and like your day-to-day life uh and so like their names are just kind of like there they're just like household names that you don't use that often so when you're switching uh it it is a difficult transition period well it's not so it's not that that i hang up about as much it's that i'm looking at elliot page when he was ellen page and this is ellen page playing a girl like blatantly right so and it's just sort of like i can't look at old 70s decathlon photos of bruce jenner and think oh there's caitlin jenner it's like no no that's bruce jenner because at the time that was Bruce Jenner running a men's track and field event. You know what I mean? Like, it's no disrespect to who these people become down the line or how we identify with them today, but we're looking at this time capsule version of them. You know right. what I mean? It's sort of like looking at family photos and the person that your relative divorced is in those photos. It doesn't erase the record of this person's existence or this person's existence in your life. It's just that's where that's where people trip up. And so if I call Elliot Page Ellen Page, it's because in this movie I'm looking at a previous version of Elliot Page. Right. When I, he was Ellen Page, and that this is this is blatantly a woman playing a woman. Not a you know, we didn't know what was coming down the road. So that's uh, that's where course. my head's at. Like like Juno is not a man. Right. Like This isn't we, written as a trans character or someone in the closet dealing with this. Like, this is just a straight up uh, 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 cisgendered role. Correct. So, uh, yeah. Just, like, with... I don't know. I, I like to be respectful and just... I like to be respectful, too. So, any slip-ups I have... That's, what, that's the only reason I said that last week, is, like, I'm watching a movie from, uh, what... 15 years ago now, you know, when Elliot Page was a completely different person. Right. And so how do I not, uh, you know, I'm going to look at that and that's the frame. I'm, I'm, I haven't it's, seen Elliot Page act in anything since becoming Elliot Page. So my only frame of reference for this person is Ellen Page, the actress who played females through right, that, their entire career. It's, and it's very it, understandable. It's, it's, not, it's not any sort of like hatred i'm slinging it's just like that's my only frame of i don't know these you're right i don't know these people and it's not like the wachowskis who really unless you watched a lot of press stuff you never saw them you know what i mean like you don't and it's just sort of like yeah they're the wachowski oh they're the siblings now fine whatever like it it doesn't matter but like in their old movies they're still credited i think as the wachowski brothers in in the credits for the movies Uh like on the actual credit roll so it is just sort of like, it's something I, I don't know. It, I, it, it's just like an awkward added layer to transitioning that like everyone knows who you used to be. It's hard to divorce yourself from that persona we, that you have as a celebrity. You to can't divorce yourself that. from who you used to be. That There's right, always a record I, of that person. And it, it doesn't change how you should be treated as you're referred to today. But we are also looking back fifteen years. Correct. So it's I. Yeah. I, I just wanted to address I, I that it, in case there yeah, are. I don't, I don't think anybody. Uh, I'm not worried about anybody coming at us, you know, because it just is one of those things. I'm like, I'm aware of 
that I slip up sometimes, but I think people who know us uh, understand the context. And nine times out of ten, people who come after you on Twitter uh, don't care about context, and they just want to come after somebody. So I'm not worried about those people either. I get that. Um, But yeah, I think everyone knows where we're coming from. Agreed. I think I'm not a raging transphobe, right? Agreed. Not raging. <laughs> Maybe simmering. No, I'm just kidding. All, All right. right. So. Side note. Out that of awkwardness way. is out of the way. Uh, what I, I want to know your general thoughts on this movie because you you showed some apprehension. Yeah. Yeah. I um. I I don't think this movie has aged particularly uh, gracefully. And I don't think it is a question of uh, not gelling with the times. It's not aging ungracefully in that way. I'm putting it in the same way that I say that Kevin Smith movies don't age gracefully. When you're younger, they seem very clever and very smart to you. And as you get older... You kind of look at them and you're like, that's something that's trying to be very clever and very smart. I think before I raised teenagers who thought they knew everything, I thought Juno was a clever, fun character. And now I just see Juno as an unlikable teenager who thinks she knows everything. (laughs) And it's hard for me to sympathize with. And I'm to blame for that. You're not to blame for that by yourself. Uh, You have two brothers as well. No, uh, I, I think I think this is a movie that as as a person ages, it becomes less relevant to them. This movie is trying very hard to be clever. And I think I would take um, I take some exception with your description of this in being a uh, let's see. A drama of what it's like to be a pregnant teenager in a small town high school. I don't think it shows. Hardly any drama in that. I think, I think it's, you don't see Juno struggle with being pregnant, except for one little sliver of the movie uh, where she's having uh, jealousy over the boy that she's clearly not interested in and that she told to move on. And then when he moves, it's, it's another thing that works against her instead of, instead of pulling sympathy for her you feel less sympathetic towards her. I I had a hard time feeling sympathetic to Juno at all in the in this movie. Well, and I I would like to say that's because you're supposed to sympathize with her knowing that she she's in over her head without knowing it, but I don't think that ever truly comes across. I think this I think Diablo Cody wrote this character in a way that she thought was you're supposed to pull for this character and and like this character and empathize with this character. And I don't think any of that comes across. And I think that's a Diablo Cody problem. Ahead, I think that's a you problem. Ahead of, ahead of everything. Because I like I like Elliot Page. I like uh, Jason Reitman. I love the cast of this movie. Um, but I think some of them are just poorly written. I don't think Allison Janney's written particularly well. And I think Allison Janney is a great actor. I think she's awesome in like... I, Tanya, uh, the little bit of West Wing I've seen. I think she's great. Um, uh, J.K. Simmons, I love him. 
I like Michael Sarah. I, I I think there's I think there's a lot of talent involved in this, but I I have a lot of problems with not a lot of problems. I don't think this is a problematic movie. I just I wasn't charmed by this movie. And this movie is trying really, really hard to get me to go, this is clever and funny and smart. And I really don't think it's half of any of those things as much as it thinks it is. I I just don't understand that viewpoint at all. Like, okay, okay. This movie is dated. It's a time capsule of the early 2000s, and it shows. I guess. And that's also, I think, in the comedic stylings. I, I think uh, it's, I think that was kind of, of the time, like, how they talked, like, trying so hard and like trying to be super witty oh uh, my blog juno like what like come on that's not that's so lazy it is cringy <laughs> at times <laughs> like... i i found in the first 15 minutes i i was like ooh, like like especially at uh rain wilson's part i i was like like, like it was meant to be awkward, but I was like, "Ooh, like this yeah." Is... He's the loser at the at the drugstore who talks shit to everybody that right. comes in. Right, but but also like your ego is prego. Like, <laughs> right, that ain't no etch a sketch. Like, I I found myself cringing, but as the movie goes on, like, I don't know, like it, you get used to. it. I understand it's supposed to be like a stylistic dialogue choice, right? Like it tarantino or something like that but i don't think it's consistent enough to be that and that's okay and like that is a dislike of this movie that i can 100 percent understand what i don't understand is not liking juno juno is unlikable she's kind of a bitch yeah but that's kind of the point and she does have a character arc here like she she treats Bleaker like crap, and she doesn't really understand the ramifications of what she's going through. Um, but she learns along the way, and I feel like like there are moments where she feels like super judged for being pregnant, and uh, m- moments of awkwardness. Uh, but it's like she. She doesn't show it directly. She just gets snippy with people. Like, and I feel like that's where the drama of teen pregnancy comes in. Like, she she tries to hide it. She tries to be strong, I feel like. Um, maybe. But you don't ever really see her as vulnerable. We don't ever get to see her vulnerable side. So, you don't get to... To suggest that she is putting on a front, if you're going to show that as her putting up a a strong front, you have to show the vulnerability too. Otherwise, it just comes off as that's who she is. Well, we we see that in like when she talks to um her dad about like do people ever stay in love and uh kind of after she's given birth, like there are yeah, there's a couple. But those are also situational. Like, she's reeling because the couple she's going to give her baby to is divorcing. And uh, that is 
disillusioned her for the time being. And um, what was the other one? Uh, after she's given birth. Oh, after she's given birth. I think that's the most vulnerable you get to see her is right after right after that. Which again is situational and understandable. Right. But you don't, I don't think you ever really get to see her. Even like to say that she has an arc and she learns to appreciate Bleaker. She only, she only wants uh, Bleaker. She only wants Michael Sarah after he's moved on. It's that thing where she, she ignores him to keep him pining after her until he moves on. And it's just this very unhealthy dynamic, just like watching the adult marriage in this be this very unhealthy dynamic that, you know, is falling apart. It's this movie is a collection of bad relationships. And it, it is. And but it it sort of is like championing the worst parts of all the relationships. It's almost like uh, this movie paints Jason Bateman as the straight-up bad guy. Which, he is a bad guy, but he also doesn't want kids and is sort of having his arm twisted into adopting a kid. You can't tell me that she doesn't know that he doesn't isn't real enthusiastic about being a dad. I... Like, the, that whole marriage, and I get it, Jason Bateman hits on a high schooler. I'm not trying to paint him as not a bad guy. But that whole relationship is troubling to watch because it, it is mismatched people it it is but i i feel like that is his fault because he knows exactly what she wants and he's going through with it just to go through the motions i feel like he is the villain he's i feel the i feel like i feel like i'm not saying he's not the worst person i'm saying that is a marriage built uh by two people who are clearly not communicating right here's what i want and not listening to what he does or doesn't want. And he is, right, he's not communicating back. And he's just going, I'll throw the ad in the penny saver. And that way I can say I put an ad out. without. It's, it's just a hard relationship to watch. And and I think the relationship between Juno and Bleeker is equally hard to watch. Because she treats him like shit. And uh, she only cares about him when he's not available anymore. And that's like the sign of another bad relationship. And this movie isn't like showing these things as like um, fully fleshed out and, oh, there's multiple sides to this. It's just going, uh, yeah, this this marriage is two people who don't communicate, but we're going to angle the movie to put it all on Jason Bateman's shoulders for not wanting a child. And we're going to angle the bleaker Juno relationship onto Juno's shoulder or onto bleaker's shoulders for going and getting another prom date, even after Juno told him to. And it, it's just, it's sympathetic. Uh, I'm not going to say it's sympathetic towards the wrong people. It's just, it's not a well-rounded portrait of relationships. And I'm not saying that movies should be uh, your models for relationships, but it's just as sort of like, it's this weird thing. This movie I know has fallen under fire for glamorizing teen pregnancy. And I don't think it does that. But I think this movie makes teen pregnancy look like a 
a quirky teenage adventure that Juno goes through. And, and instead of like, uh, even to the point where like the, the x-ray tech who's doing her ultrasound, uh, they just paint her as a judgmental bitch. But what she's really saying is like, I'm glad you're not throwing your life off track to be a mom before you're ready, which is something a medical professional should not say. Right. But it's also like, it becomes this thing of like, it feels like a marriage story. Like you remember in marriage story, how Laura Dern has that monologue. That's just like awkwardly shoehorned in because they wanted to make this point. Like that's what that whole scene feels like to me. It feels like Diablo Cody had a bunch of monologues in her head that she just shoved in, just built scenes to shove in and, and vilify people who were concerned about teen pregnancy. I I don't know. I feel like you're kind of sympathizing with the wrong people, if that may... Like, I, I feel like you're doing a discredit to the movie because, like, when you look at uh, the adult couple in this, uh, like... I, I don't know. You say it's a, it's a lack si- of communication. I'm not, I'm not sympathizing with Mark in this movie, by the way. I, I understand that. But I don't think that any of that is on the mom. I, like, I don't understand. V- Vanessa is very clear about her intentions. She's very clear about what she wants. And I think to us, it's obvious that Mark doesn't want a kid. But everything he says in the movie to her, like... We see on his face, like, oh, yeah, he's not into this. But he's like, oh, yeah, 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 we we should do that. Or, like, like he is lying to her. It's very obvious to us Maybe. to pick up on that. But, like, I don't think she's at fault for anything. I don't know. I feel, I feel, like, I feel like it is, it, it's not an at fault. That's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to put fault on anyone. I feel like this is a bad marriage by two people who aren't really communicating. Part of expressing what you want to your partner is being open to what they want in return and finding if that's compatible. Like, and I feel like these are two people who are not doing that. He wants to go have a music career. She wants to have a family. But she knows that's what he wants. Yeah. You know? That that part is true. And that part where uh, she she's like, oh, until you become a big rock star. And he says, don't mock me. And it's like, in all honesty... It is shitty to mock somebody's dreams. Like it, like that is a shitty thing to do. Uh, and it, it is just that's that's where it comes together for me, and and it makes me say, this is a, this is a shitty marriage. And I think that is the point because they are the great looking couple with money and the nice house, and you think this is the perfect people to leave your children with. And I get that's the point, but. This movie, uh, I don't... You you think it loses the nuance. I think it does lose the nuance. And that's not to say I don't like the outcome of this. Because it does say, yes, you can be a single mom. And you can have your family without having a, a husband or a wife. You can be a single parent. I love the end of this movie. The It ended with a chair. That's a seriously emotional, I, I I really like the Jennifer Garner scenes of her and the baby in this movie. I think that's genuinely emotional, uh, uh, great writing and great direction and great performances. That scene where they run into her at the mall. 
I yeah, like, and she starts like rubbing her belly and um, and it's like awkward at first. It turns into the most beautiful scene. It really like I don't want. I'm coming down hard on this movie for what it. I think it does badly, but there are there are points in this movie that are genuinely funny. There are points in this movie that are I, the mo- whole movie is is directed really well and and put together really well. I and but I think there are certain characters in this movie, and I would say Jennifer Garner's character is probably maybe the best written. And it's like a supporting role, basically. But like every, almost every time she's on screen, I think she kind of steals the movie and sort of makes it all her. And she's the most believable, kind of well-rounded character in this movie. The mall scene is is brilliant. I, I would agree with that. Uh, I think like it... It shocks me because this movie is like, oh, funny, awkward, blah, blah, blah. And then it just like gets emotional almost out of nowhere. And you think like this shouldn't work or like this should feel forced, but it doesn't at all. It feels sincere. Even when the cleverness is not hitting with me, it is a tonal shift that doesn't, that shouldn't work. You're right. right. But it... Yeah, the, the the sincerity of this movie, I think, does sincerely work. And I think Jennifer Garner has a lot to do with it. I think Jennifer Garner's, like, a secret great actress. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you look at, like, oh, she's in, like, oh, 13 going on 30. And, she, uh, like, earlier on cable today, the Electra movie was on. Like, the sequel to Ben Everyone Affleck, Daredevil. That, right? The, the most hated Marvel movie ever. And it's a totally silly movie. But and uh, she did like the J.J. Abrams TV stuff early on, and but when she's given like an actual like solid dramatic role, and I would call this a dramatic role, I think she's she's great in this movie. She's I, so so good. The, the scene where she's like nesting and painting paint, the nursery, with, yeah. like I I I love that scene, and. That scene's good, and I, I think Jason Bateman is really good in that scene, too. Yeah. He's um, like, maybe we don't have to, like, do this all. and Right. Um, when he says, I don't think the baby's going to march in here and demand dessert-colored walls. It's like, that's a legitimately funny <laughs> funny line. Yeah. And it also, like, is a character moment. For we're, we're showing the juxtaposition sure. of uh, you, you the see, dysfunction. You're seeing, you're seeing that there's a... I, I think that shows... That plays a couple ways. You do get that he's reluctant, but you also get, um, uh, in, in once you go through like the, the pregnancy and everything, you understand like, oh, that's real as well. Like the typically, or in my experience, I'll say, uh, your mom was preparing things far before I was, you know, it's, it's real to somebody to, to different, different parties, you know, women tend to start getting ready before men do. Really? And I, I think, I, I think so. I, didn't, I, I think there I, I is thought a, that was just like his excuse. For no, I, I, th- I think there is a, like the, the nesting thing is, is pretty real. Like, I think yeah. hormones probably play <clears throat> That's a part what I'm, in that. Uh, the, the, there's a hormonal thing and there's just, I think an expectation thing sometimes. And this is typical. I'm not like, trying to throw all women or all men into one card or another. 
uh, when you were on the way, I did a lot of sympathy stuff. Like, right. your mom ate a lot of weird shit, and then I would, like... All thanks to me. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to eat some 7-Eleven hot dogs, too. I'm going to, you know, I would spontaneously clean my apartment. I had no baby shit in it. I, you weren't ever going <laughs> to live there. Like, it was just like, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, 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 there's a sympathy thing, too. But sometimes it is just, you're on different timetables. Like, right. that's, a, that's a real thing. So I think, I think that scene actually plays in two different ways really easily and also kind of plays into the the narrative of like she's misreading his reluctance as just different timetables yeah she almost like she's in denial of it i think that's i think that's a, a real th- uh, unspoken thing that is kind of there you know and she's like um she's like kind of begging juno not to reconsider the adoption. She's like, no, no, no. Once the baby shows up, everything will be fine. She's in the, that's what I'm saying about the bad marriage thing. It's one of those things where it's like, they're in this bad marriage and she kind of has this idea of like, once the baby gets here, we'll all settle into being this happy family. Right. That That is a sentiment that I like despise people are like oh a child will fix everything people people do it people get very desperate to save their marriages and and try a lot of things and uh you know that's one of them it's a very common thing it it really is but but this movie shows you, you know you you can just adopt a child on your own which i think is like a great resolution to this movie um it I I like that she just she like leaves a note on like the Jiffy Lube receipt or whatever. You I know? yeah, and, and then it's, it's a, framed later. It, like uh, that's the thing on the wall because in that nursery scene, she's like, "What what should go on this wall here?" You know, the family photo. You know, like what, yeah. it, what'll it be? It answers uh, and, that question. And then like that, be, it, it's it's a good. That's a good piece of writing. I'll give Diablo Cody credit for that. Yes, I'm gonna come home down hard on Diablo Cody because I I don't appreciate. I, I think she's that. about half as clever as she thinks she is. But that's... I I I think the one-liners in this movie are not that clever. I think the movie itself is very clever. I think I don't know. I I just think the way that Juno goes through this, like, uh, we haven't talked yet about the scene where she goes <clears throat> to a clinic to get an abortion. Yeah. And she... She goes to women now because they're, you know, about women now. Right. (laughs) I I don't understand the joke you're making. That's a joke. Exactly. Exactly. That's a joke in the movie. Okay. That's supposed to be very clever. All right. Well, anyway, (laughs) the scene is clever. Your Honor, the defense rests. Well, maybe it was your delivery of the line. Uh-huh. I, I'm no, I'm no Juno. Anyway, uh, for multiple reasons, I I love uh, the the child who's protesting, who has no idea yeah. why she's protesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then she's like, "Oh, did you do the homework or whatever?" Um, but then the fingernail thing. Uh, she tells her that babies have fingernails and then they, she goes in and she's waiting and she's super uncomfortable and like, there's nothing really comedic 
for a little bit. It's just like nothing comedic about an abortion clinic, huh? I know, shocking, so right? Weird. There but actually are a couple of funny. Th- there's a little jokes in, in a few the, jokes, the but <laughs> then like the just the cut between everyone's fingernails, everyone's fingernails and she's panicking, and then she's like, "I can't do it." Like, I I think that's great, and I think it's that first step of Juno realizing she's in over her head. And then she has to go tell her parents and like, that's its own kind of serious kind of comedic. Like, I think this movie balances the tone so well and you feel the weight of things, even if it's funny as well. Yeah, no, I think, um, I, I think there is something to the idea of like going to Planned Parenthood and there is something about like the simplistic worldview of a teenager who thinks no big deal if I get pregnant, I'll just go down and get an abortion. Like, right. Just hit the undo button. The, the, right. They sort of talk about it like, oh yeah, just go here and get it taken care of. And you know, you don't need a note from your parents and like all of these things. It's just sort of like this, this simplistic worldview. You're right. And it, I'm not saying these scenes that there's not a good story here. Or I'm not saying that there's not uh, some some good story beats or character beats to them. I just, I am more annoyed by the dialogue and by Juno as a whole, as a character. I don't, I don't find Juno charming and adorable and just, oh, this cute little pregnant girl who's in over her head. Uh, but don't worry, she's found someone to sell her baby to. And it'll all be okay at the end of the day. And, like, <clears throat> this this movie flirts with teaching her the lessons. Like, there are boundaries. You can't be friends with a married man twice your age. Like, just... N- not necessarily about a pre- like what what do you have in common with this guy you like horror movies or whatever right. you, you make each other mixtapes or or things like that it's just um i don't know i just i just had some real hang-ups with the way juno is written but she she irritated she, you. she did she did there's something about like the movie presenting her as like this kid is clever and she has all the cool hipster um, pop culture references, which is like, oh yeah, she knows all the first wave punk bands. That's like, not even like deep cuts. Don't sell her to me as she's like the most clever person. She Half the catchphrases she screams out are wrong. It's not Thundercats are go, it's Thunderbirds are go. Or oh Thundercats, ho. No wonder this movie pissed you <laughs> like, off. But, but, I mean, it's trying to sell Juno as this cool... It's... Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna sum it up this way. The soundtrack to this movie. I own this soundtrack somewhere. Half of it, I think, is really great. The other half is kind of insufferable, hipster, aren't we clever bands. Like, it's half and half. And that's what this movie is. This movie is half... Um, real good heart and a well-constructed movie and a great cast and some great performances. And the other half of it is, I think just insufferable hipster nonsense. Well, I, 
I struggle to agree with you because I, I, I think Juno. I'm is... not asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to see where I'm coming from. But I think Juno is obnoxious, and I think she's full of herself, and she thinks she knows everything in the way a teenager thinks that. But I don't. I don't think the movie is trying to portray that as like she's the coolest thing that's ever walked the earth. That's just her attitude. And I don't think that's like needing to be put down. Like that's just how teenagers are. Like I I don't know how to Yeah. That's okay. I she has a lot to learn and maturity to grow, but I I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with her thinking she knows everything about rock bands when she clearly doesn't. I don't know. That's the kind of stuff where I'm just kind of like... Uh, I, f- I feel like that's the movie trying to be cool. But you're right. I think, I think they are trying to... They're trying to portray... Juno, I don't think you're wrong. I think that is how they want to show. Like, look, this is a kid who thinks she knows everything. But they also... They show her as being almost infallible. I think the movie's attitude towards Juno is she's infallible. She has uh, uh, found herself pregnant. And that's as close to a flaw as she gets. For a lot of the movie. Sure. Uh, up until she like misreads uh, Mark's intention when Mark tries to sleep with her, basically, like then it's like, oh, oh, what happened? Here? Like then it was off the rails for her. But like, I don't feel like I don't feel like Juno is is shown as flawed enough when when she gets mad at at Bleeker for getting another prom date. I don't feel like they cast Juno. I, I feel like they, they make him out to be the bad guy in that. I, and I feel like this is a situation Juno created by pushing him away and then getting mad that he wasn't there to follow her, her I, around like a puppy dog. I, I think you're misreading that because I think the film, it shows that she was a bad person in that. Like, that is the part where, like, for the record... The romance there does not work. I, I don't. I don't. It's, I don't I think buy it's it at bad, all. Yeah, but I think they are about to have a very dysfunctional teenage relationship. <laughs> sure, but I I think that is the part where it's most obvious that she admits, like, okay, I fucked up here. Like she uses him because she's bored. She ruins their friendship, and then she gets jealous and possessive. And he calls her out on it and she misses him. And so she goes to him and she's like, yeah, I I did all this. She, I can't remember what the words she uses are, but I think she blatantly says like, I was in the wrong here. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because she's instantly forgiven. She does get away with too much. That's what I'm saying. I I don't feel like this movie casts her. This movie definitely hits a point. Where it's supposed to be her second act low point. They show her walking through the school with her enormous belly. And she's isolated and feeling all by herself. And, you know, that's when 
She finds out Bleaker's going to prom with this girl who smells like soup or whatever. Like, but that's all, it's, it's almost like we're not going to show you that, we're not going to narratively tell you that Juno's at her low point. It's like a, when a movie uses the music to tell you to be afraid instead right. of actually making you afraid. It's that. And I have it written down here, and this like sums up the entire, uh, not the entire movie, but the entire character of Juno. Uh, Polly says to her, you're being really immature right now. And I feel like, yes, that is Juno. Juno is the most immature uh, pregnant teenager in the world. Shocker. <laughs> and... But it, it is just sort of like it makes her it makes it hard to sympathize with her. And I realize when you're it, it I'm 46 years old. This movie, if you're watching it when you're between 15 and say 25, and I was 32 when this came out. And I I did. I found this movie far more charming when this movie first came out. I liked this movie a lot more than I do now. And that's what I'm saying. I used to love Kevin Smith movies when I was in my 20s. And I got older and I look back at Kevin Smith movies and I go, these are kind of immature, very sophomoric humor. There is some funny stuff to it and there's some great filmmaking. There's some great indie filmmaking in it. But overall, they're just aimed at a certain age group. They're not aimed at a certain person. They're aimed, If you fall in this age group, I think you're going to get a lot more out of this. I've been through raising teenagers. I sympathize with uh, J.K. Simmons in this movie so much more now than <laughs> when I was 32 and I had yet to uh, uh, have a kid that was out of elementary school. It's funny because right now, re-watching this, the character I sympathize with the most is Vanessa. Oh, because I, yes. For sure. Because I want to be a parent and I'm going to have to adopt one day. And like, I read this story in a whole new light, realizing like the ramifications of this and like what Juno's giving up and like all of that, uh, which is not how I originally watched it uh, the first few times. Well, I mean, this. you're like probably what, 10 years older than the first time you saw this, right? Probably. I, I don't remember when I saw it first, but. For the record, you're 21. I'm 21. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're a young adult, and that casts, and that that's kind of what I'm saying. You, you're this saying... is this is one of those movies, and you can take this as a strike against the movie. I don't mean for it to be. I don't mean to put down Kevin Smith movies when I say they're for guys in their twenties, early thirties, but you kind of age out of them. That's not a strike against it. It's very successful at hitting its target audience. This movie. I'll blame Michael Sarah for it because a lot of Michael Sarah movies fall into this for me. This is a movie that is aimed at somebody who is not me for one reason or another. Like this, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, uh, what was that pseudo-documentary he made with... Uh, I don't know, but uh, side note, Scott Pilgrim is so unlikable. I... Yeah, well-made movie. I hate Again, hate it. Same. I I am. Do you really? I thought you were a big Scott Pilgrim fan. I the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh, this is cool," but mainly the transitions and stuff. I hate the character. I tried reading the comics. I didn't it's, like the comics either. Yeah. It's just grotesque. I don't feel that way about Juno, though. I like okay, I but recognize... but you you get where I'm at though because that's 
that's the similar position that I'm coming at this movie. From. I I get it. I also feel like, and this is 100. percent I am not a transphobic person. No, it's not because oh of Elliot Page. <laughs> I will deny this up and down. <laughs> I was gonna say, I, <laughs> I. This is 100% me being naive, but I don't think when I'm 40, I'll find Juno annoying the way you find Maybe Juno you annoying. I, I, I still relate to her in ways, and I also still am able to sympathize with her. You and I are very different people, and we like and tolerate very different things. If you don't... I'm not blaming my age on my distaste for this movie. I just find... I, I think... That's part of it. I think there is just a part of the stage of life I'm in where I find a clever hipster teenager more annoying than I do charming. I don't... I If they had shown Juno as uh, more vulnerable, if they had had a scene of her being very vulnerable and and sort of letting that, that facade, that tough facade down... Um, there is the scene where she breaks down in, in the car, breaks down crying. Right, right I was going to go to that. I, I, I think that's there. If they had had more of that, if they had had more of her sort of realizing, oh, I dug this hole myself. Oh, Polly's going to prom with this girl. I did that. And sort of, I, I don't feel like we got enough of the downside of Juno. If they had shown her as that, it would have been a more well-rounded character for me. For me, I would have gotten a lot more out of that, and I would have found her. The The reason people say things like, I hate kids except for my own, is because you get to see all different sides of your kids. You see everybody else's kids, their public persona, when they're being the most annoying and trying to be the most like funny or clever or tough or whatever, but you see every side of your own kid when you're at home, and you understand Oh, this is them just acting out. This is them doing this. This is them doing that. We don't ever get to see that with Juno. You know what I mean? I I do. I I feel like this movie would be more interesting if Bleeker had been turned off to her because of what she... If it did not end with them together and she had to have that moment where she truly is just like okay i i messed this one up and now i gotta find someone new right or something like i feel like that would maybe address where, kind of what where she would have about. a lesson to learn about how she treats people yeah something like I, that yeah i think she gets that in more minor ways i think she does things. but right but she sort of has a warning shot where it's it's like oh i pushed him away and now he's actually going I better get him back as opposed to, and then she does as opposed to him. Just keep on going. Yeah. I would have loved it. If at the end of this movie, Jason Bateman's character would have adopted bleaker. And that's what leads into arrested development. Oh my God. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. <laughs> but no, I, I think, I just think there was more because when they do, I'll, I'll go to the, the scene after she gives birth to the baby. That whole scene, well, like when Bleeker comes straight from the track meet. Yeah. And like, there's the, the tense moment where JK Simmons is in there and he just sort of like, 
pats him on the shoulder and leaves him, you know, like, you know, go be, and he just lays in the bed while she cries. Uh, and then Jennifer Garner in the nursery and Allison Janney shows up. That I'm not ashamed to say that I, 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 lo- I cried. Again, I, it's Jennifer Garner it, it just commanding that scene and the line uh, where she goes, how do I look? And she goes, you look like a new mom, scared shitless. Yes. Like, that's so true. Like, there, um, There's that line. And I also, I love when J.K. Simmons is, uh, before Bleeker shows up, he's like petting Juno's hair. And he says, uh, one day you'll be, you'll back, be back on your terms. On your own terms. Yeah. Like, so powerful. There's some real, great, real life stuff in here. And I just, I wish it was more of that. And I wish it was more well-rounded instead of it's like just so preoccupied with being clever. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's what takes away from the movie. I'm sitting here totally shit-talking this movie, but I, I keep I keep coming back to it. When this movie is doing things right, they're really, really right. And I think that's what sells this movie. Um, But... There's there's so much that I just find irritating about it, and I if it wasn't the title character, it, you know what I mean? It was like I her friend is is far more annoying than her, like her best friend. Yes, uh, but it's just like oh, by the way, this movie glamorizes teacher student romantic relationships. Oh, so in, creepy! You want to talk about something that is aged? horribly and let's let, let's isn't this funny let's uh, not deny no. let's uh, i'm not even going to say that's aged horribly Th- that was not funny in 07 that was happening frequently enough that, 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 that this was never a timely joke but yeah that is that is really really uh oh uh, man i don't even know what it, like it's it's, a- it's shocking to see it now though like Oh wow! And, they just made a joke about that, and, and it doesn't come with a point like with Jason Bateman's character. It's just kind of right, gross, right? Even that's not that's sort of brushed over ultimately. Like that's just kind of there as a as a way to make sure you know he's the bad guy. That this movie's painting him as the bad guy. Well, well, I think it's also like his character is like emotionally immature. Like, he's unable to kind of compensate, or, like, he's unable to compromise or with his wife, or be honest with her, or, like, with his dreams, he's not willing to, like, let go of anything, and, like, that's just another thing. Let's run away together with this underage girl, like... Right, right. It's, uh... I feel like it fits for his character. I don't think it's explored super well. Yeah, again, I just I feel like it's it's a a writing shortcut was taken or a character development shortcut. I I feel like you're talking about how you're like this mo- this movie really shines when it's like a when it's doing the drama, but the comedy aspect like that doesn't gel with you and I get that. But I I think, like, if this was all drama, it wouldn't appeal to the target demographic. And, like, I feel like in that... Like, I feel like this movie is trying to draw in teenagers. 
with Juno being funny and quirky or whatever, uh, and the awkward kind of comedy, and then it kind of hits you with the lesson, if that makes sense. Yeah, I no, I think there's, um, I don't know that there's much lesson here, honestly. Um, I mean, I don't feel like this is a teen pregnancy deterrent. I don't feel like it's selling a, a blade. I'm not going to, I'm like I said, I'm not going so far as to say this glamorizes teen pregnancy, but I don't, I, I don't feel like they're, they're really baking in a lot of lessons. I feel like it's a little preachy sometimes. Um, but not about like teen pregnancy, not well, about not judging teen pregnancy, but they're kind of like advocating how serious it is and but i don't i don't feel like it handles it in a very serious way it's it's handled in a this movie's more about her relationship than her pregnancy her relationship with bleaker her pregnancy only serves to uh you know bring like the the couple in Right. You know what I mean? Like, and show that complication. I don't know. The, the pregnancy's there, but it's never like, they don't really talk about teen pregnancy a lot, except in a couple scenes where they, like the ultrasound scene. And that just gets really preachy. You know what I mean? I guess. I, I don't know. I feel like it does. And I don't want this to be all drama. I just, I don't think the comedy hits. And I, I, I just wish the character work was a little more well-rounded. I guess that's fair. I I don't know. Just agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. Look, that that's this is kind of what I'm trying to say. Like this movie has an audience. You said this movie's aimed at teenagers. It is. So that's what I'm saying. This pocket of of people it's going to hit and I think um I think there was a time I found this movie uh funnier than I do now. Or more charming than I do now. And that happens. There are movies that I uh, I sort of age into and appreciate more the older I get. And there are movies that I appreciate less the older I get. Right. Or at, at a, not even necessarily age, just a different stage of my life. Um, which I think is kind of a cool thing about movies. I think that's allowed. I I don't know. I I appreciate this movie for what it's doing. Okay. That's I I I don't know what else to say. I I don't know what else to say either because I I feel like I could just reiterate all the same complaints. I don't want to take any. I I like Jason Reitman as a filmmaker. I think he's. I think he's made better movies than this, but I think he's made worse movies than this as well. What else has he made? Uh, probably his best movie is um, uh, Up in the Air with George Clooney and Anna Kendrick. Uh, J.K. Simmons has a small role in that as well. I This might be the only movie I've seen by him, though, um, I because I'm trying to think. He did a movie called Draft Day with Kevin Costner that's interesting. Um, there are parts of that I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, let's see. Oh, he made... Did he make the new Ghostbusters movie? He did, apparently. Well, his dad made the original. His dad is Ivan Reitman. 
Weird. Okay. Um, not weird. <laughs> well, just weird that they're like, let's give the remake to... Uh, Ivan Reitman, I think, just died, didn't he? Yeah, Up in the Air is really great. Uh, and also the movie he made right before this is called Thank You for Smoking. Uh, with Aaron Eckhart. Um, uh, William H. Macy is in that. God, everybody's in that movie. Let's see. Maria Bello, she's great. Oh. J.K. Simmons is in that as well. Have you seen it? No, I'm sorry. I'm looking through his IMDb. He made Tully, which is another movie that people debate about. But I... Tully? Tully. Tully? I, I don't know how to pronounce it. T-U-L-L-Y. Uh, uh, he, produced, he produced Tully. I thought Jason Reitman, director. Oh, there it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I I saw that movie, and I I don't think it's amazing, but I thought it was really interesting. I've never and heard of this movie. It, it's about, like, someone kidnaps a baby, and... Mark Duplass, Ron Livingston, Charlize Theron, Mackenzie Daylight. Love all these people. Huh. I watched it when it first came out, and... I thought the ending was weird, but like it's it's a really great, okay, and interesting movie. And now that I think about it, it makes sense. Like Juno in this, and it's written by uh, Diablo Cody as well. Really, that mm. is interesting. Pretty that suspect already. I I'm uh. sure. <laughs> you're like oh actually boy. Diablo Cody made a movie called Jennifer's Body. I have heard a lot that about Jennifer's body. I when it came out, I'm like, well, this looks dumb as shit. But it's one of those movies that sort of has grown this cult following, and I'm really curious about it. From what I've heard about it, it's a movie that pokes fun at misogyny. It's like a campy uh, horror slasher but, movie or something. But, but it yeah. was like advertised to men. It, like right. using the tropes that it's trying to it's talk like about. Megan and... Fox, and they're showing her all sexy and stuff, and in the ad, I remember when it came out because yeah. I was just like, "This just looks dumb," because it was riding on that like Transformers. You know, here's Megan Fox, isn't she hot? Like, let's put her in everything. And, and, and well, it, and, but it was like casting her in the same light. But then, like, as years have gone on, people are like, no, Megan Fox is great in that movie. And that movie's really like funny and, and, uh, kind of its own thing. And it's just, I've gotten really curious about it. Uh, it's, that's what I've heard, but I just but haven't seen it. I haven't before. seen it either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, Jason Reitman, I think has an interesting, uh, career. I forgot he did this movie, young adult with Charlize Theron, uh, which is okay. It's got some, some interesting parts to it. But I would really recommend watching uh, Thank You for Smoking. Uh, that's really, really, like, darkly funny. It's about a tobacco lobbyist and uh, just, like, the choice to smoke. And is it ethical to leave that up to people? You know what I mean? It's just, like, a lot of, like, philosophical questions about, like, the ethics of these sort of vice industries in the United States. Like alcohol and 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 tobacco and it's like 
should people be able to govern themselves and and you know like these sort of i don't know it's just kind of a really interesting movie and it's really it's way funnier than you think it's going to be and just kind of a strange movie that sort of makes fun of the tobacco industry and makes fun of politicians who try to uh regulate sin essentially right you know like um that sounds interesting it's very interesting it's a very good movie uh, with a great cast, and also uh, up in the air with George Clooney and Anna Kendrick about, um, you know, kind of living a solitary life versus having connections to people. And it's also a, a really, really solid movie. I think Jason Reitman makes some really good stuff. I, I and like, I think he, I think he, he's very good at directing it. I, I like his directing style yeah. in this. There's a lot of like visual gags and right. like. Like the uh, opening with the uh, whole drawing sequence. Oh, I love that. that I, I love into... that. That's a really interesting way to sort of put the music video uh, of that song right up oh, front. Oh, is, is, is that? No, I don't know that the, it is the music video, but that's the feel of it is all of a sudden she walks into this okay, animated yeah. world and it's like, oh, this is cool. I, I, I liked it. I, I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um... But yeah, that's all I got. Check out more Jason Reitman movies if you liked Juno. Or even if you're like me and you're I kind don't. of an old curmud. I, I would watch Juno again. I'm not opposed to watching Juno. I just don't find Juno as charming as everybody else does. Uh, but uh, I, I would say even if you don't like Juno, check out Jason Reitman's other work, I think. And check out his dad's work. Ivan Reitman's great. Okay. Um... You got anything else? I, I I think that's all I wanted to touch on. And give Jennifer Garner more great dramatic roles. I I always like her whenever I see her. I do too. She's cool. Good stuff. And uh, also Allison Janney. She's good. Also Allison Janney. I I don't like that sitcom uh, mom that she's in. Oh my in, god! But I do think she's funny in it. I I don't know how to explain that, that. show. God, <laughs> the worst thing about having cable again is that somewhere that show is always on. I'm sorry, that's just funny because uh, my boyfriend loves that show. <laughs> yeah, my wife likes that show too. It's uh, really something. <clears throat> good stuff okay all right well let's move on you got a shout out i i do uh it is not in the show doc right now because uh, i'm underprepared uh, <laughs> i'm i'm shouting out a youtube channel uh because i have been uh kind of in like a writing frenzy as of late uh I've, I've been writing like almost daily which is unheard of for me uh so that's a really good habit that i'm picking up but i found again this channel uh it's called shaylin writes uh and it's run by shaylin who is a writer um she's 24 years old and she's into she she lives in canada and uh she kind of writes a lot of short st stories and whatnot but uh her whole channel is like uh just bits of writing advice. She does book reviews for like this is what I've read this month and uh she goes into the process of how to write short stories uh and how that's different 
as opposed to novels, mm-hmm. as opposed to movies. Uh, so I, I find a lot of helpful tips awesome. uh, from her videos. So I thought that would be fun to share. Do you have anything about building a writing portfolio? Because I'm very interested in that right now. Uh, I actually do think so because she she finished up a writing degree recently. Uh, okay. And so she... I'm I'm gonna have to look, but I can almost guarantee that there's okay somewhere in there. I will. Uh, That's a uh, Shaylin writes. Shaylin writes. I will take a look at that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what What do you have to shout at us? Um, I discovered a new podcast last week, and it's um. I know there are a approximately nine billion bad movie podcasts out there. Uh, so you kind of pick and choose which ones you listen to. And I found this one and um, I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's called Bad Movies Rule. And um, the first one I picked out uh, to listen to was an episode about uh, 1986's Iron Eagle, uh, which is a movie about a high school student who steals a fully armed Air Force jet and goes to the Middle East to rescue his dad who was shot down. Um, is this based off a true story? <laughs> uh, the movie is one that I saw approximately a billion times when I was a kid. Uh, so I know it really well. And it's, it's, it is a bad movie. It is, it is a silly, cheesy eighties movie. And it's great to hear uh, people look back at it, you know, 30 plus years later and pick it apart, especially when you know the movie that well. Um, but they're, these guys are really funny and they have kind of a rotating cast of, of guest hosts that come through there. Um, I've only listened to a few episodes so far, but I'm really enjoying it. And um, I, I will drop a link in the show doc so you can find it too. But they are, I think, on almost every major podcast platform. So if you're looking for another movie podcast or a a bad movie podcast i would really recommend you check check that out and find a movie especially if you're around my age because it's a lot of movies from the 80s and 90s find a movie you grew up with that they're covering and you know something you know really well and listen to them pick it apart because it's it's a really really good time that that movie you just 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 described uh (laughs) reminds me of uh i saw cloak and dagger on, oh, like cable, yeah. Like mom With Dab- was watching Dabney it. Coleman and, and uh, uh, Henry Thomas. Yeah. I thought it was completely ridiculous. Yeah, uh, there's a there's it, a, a trend in the '80s where kids would get into uh, CIA and um, uh, military only world, and 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 like it was sort of like the only ones who can, you know, like the uh, the trope of like all adults are idiots. Yeah. And and the the kids saved the day and and it's just sort of like um I I don't know what that was but it was very big in the 80s where where kids were operating in the adult I caught the end of War Games on TV last week which and I still love the movie War Games. I think it's a very uh it's very quaint but it is it is that trope of a high school student who is smarter than all of the nuclear uh 
<laughs> what what are they NORAD the, uh, the, the 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 nuclear command center and their artificial intelligence but um, that's a marketing strategy it really uh, you're smart just like these just kids, like so these watch kids this movie. so buy all the buy a modem for your home computer yeah it's um it's really cool but uh yeah that's bad movies rule um uh check it out and just just have a good time with it cool on that note, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. If you enjoy our show and my hot takes on Juno, please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. It helps our visibility. It helps us grow the show. That is right. Do you know another way to help us grow the show, Dad? How, how's that, Austin? You can tell a friend about us, but if you don't have any friends, I know they're hard to come by. Uh, just get pregnant and just raise a baby solely on our podcasts or even adopt a kid to listen to our podcast. You know, you, there's many ways to get a person to listen to our podcast. And that is one of them. You know, that's also a way you can get a podcast host. Oh, hey. If... If, How's that working out for you? <laughs> I should have adopted you to Jennifer Garner and hosted a solo podcast. No. Uh, oh, that went too far. <laughs> <laughs> I I do know you're kidding, Dad. you got a look on your face like, yeah, oh no, like, oh, he yeah. knows too much. <laughs> I'm wandering with this joke too far, but uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, find us more listeners, uh, because next week- Or grow us more listeners. Grow us, please. Uh, because next week we have a movie, and what is it? Speaking of movies from the 80s, this has come up. I've seen people revisiting this here and there. Uh, two of the cast members were just on some daytime talk show, but it made big news. We're going to watch uh, the Stephen King adaptation, Stand By Me. Oh, um, I, you, I'm, go, actually, go, go I am mad at you. Why? Because Did that I is take your recommendation. That has been on my list for a while. And that was what I was going to pick for my last pick this season. Okay. No, 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 no. I have like, uh, I, I, I have a bunch in the hole. If you want, if you want that, you can have it. No, dad, please. I, I am go are, with it because sure? I can find another movie. Okay. I can find another movie, but that is so hilarious. No, I was on the fence about a lot of No, I've been wanting to bring it to the show for a long time too. Um uh David Ginsburg, uh our buddy from um Tales from the Fandom. I know he does like movie night with his family and a few weeks ago he posted that they watched Sand by Me and you know that his kids reaction to it was not you know quite as glowing as as his was and it just i i haven't seen that movie in a long time and i was like oh i need to revisit that and and see what i think i i love that movie uh typically but i just um i've not seen it for a while and i, I feel like stand by me I, I don't know if it's an anniversary year for that movie or what but i feel like it keeps coming up recently like um people are talking about it on social media i just said there's like talk show appearances by like Will Wheaton and Jerry O'Connell. when I think it was the talk uh, like last week. So I don't know what's going on, but like people are talking about stand by me again. And um, interesting. And uh, I, you know, it's a fun movie. So I'm, I, 
I I didn't know people were talking about it, but that's one of those like. Have kind you of, have you seen it before? I've seen it a okay. few times. It it's one of those like classics to me. Like Sandlot is in the same group as that for some reason. Like it's about it's kid friendships. Yeah, so, yeah. I, sure. I, I just have memories of that movie, and I like that movie. Great. So. Well, cool. I'm I'm glad it's uh, it's a it's a favorite of both of ours, and we can kind of pick it apart now. Should be fun. I think so. Austin, what's your social media handles? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Austin and Rude or Old Who Review for all of my Doctor Who rants. All what right. about you, Dad? I'm at Phil Rude on Twitter, at Phil Rude 75 on Instagram, philrude.com for my website, and ko-fi.com slash philrude. Buy me a coffee. Buy yourself a book. Oz, you want to read the credits? Yep. We did it all ourselves. There you have it. We'll see you next time on The Picture Show. See ya. Not long ago, there were only three television channels, and the cheaply made family man comedy was king. Turning the dial would only give you another glimpse into a suburban nuclear family with a breadwinner husband, a stay-at-home wife, and the occasional talking horse. That is until 1964 when one show dared to take a glimpse into the lives of terrible monsters that lived next door. The Munsters premiered that September and, well, America has yet to recover. The Munster Hunter shuns the millions of hours of original shows that are available at the press of a button to take a look back at a 60-year-old comedy about a Frankenstein monster and his grotesque family. He, he reaches down, he just grabs her by the butt and lifts her up. Yep. Yeah. Instead of opening the window, he punches through the window. <laughs> which, I mean, this is your damn window, man. By the way, Eddie, he's trying to catch uh, the raven out of the, the clock. Oh, is that yeah. what he's doing to feed the cat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was very disinterested, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the Monster Hunters, available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>